Perhaps you've heard that people can tell whether your faith is real or not by how you act. A gospel worker in North Africa knows that this is true. He was talking with a Muslim friend and his friend said, I am so convinced that Islam is the right religion. But I'll tell you something, Muslims don't do what's right, but Christians do what's right. That really communicates how his involvement with Christians in his country has, has made a deep impact. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and we are in our studio in Bartlesville, Oklahoma today. For those of you who have listened to Voice of the Martyrs Radio for a long time, you know that uh, on occasion we have a guest where we only use a first name. Sometimes we, I think we've had a guest where we didn't even use a name because we're talking with people who are working and ministering inside hostile and restricted nations. Uh, we have to be careful because of their security. This week is one of those weeks. Uh, we're not going to mention a specific country. We're not going to use a real name, but I am very excited to have Aaron with us this week. Aaron is working in North Africa as a lighthouse, as a representative of Jesus Christ in a Muslim culture. Aaron, thanks for being with us today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Well, thank you. It's such a privilege for me to be here with you. Let's start at the very beginning. How did God get a hold of you in comfortable America <laughs> and say, I want you to pack your bags and move to North Africa? Hmm. Well, to be honest, it started when I was a little kid and my brother was being disciplined by our parents, and he was away in the room for a really long time. I was like, what's going on in there? And my, my parents were sharing the gospel with him, and when my head was peeking through the door, they're like, come on in. And so I didn't understand much at that time, but I understood that God gave his very life for me, and that just impacted me profoundly. If God loves me that much, then I want to give all of my life for him. Uh, so that was the, the seed that was planted, and then many years later, a friend of mine who had lived in the country that I'm in now invited me to pray about going on a short-term trip and the possibility of being there long-term. And I, I was totally not thinking North Africa at that time, and I was very surprised in my spirit. The only way I know how to describe it, it was like whoosh, whoosh, inside of me, and God said, <laughs> that's for you. It's like, okay, that doesn't happen every day. I think I'll, I'll listen to that. I so, think I'll listen to that voice. Yeah. What has been the biggest challenge as far as getting there, getting established, figuring out, you know, the culture and whatever else, what has been the biggest challenge for you? Like, of course, God uses willing people. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm there. Let's get there. And then I arrive. And as I would have spiritual conversations with people, I would realize, well, this, this American culture that I have to give people is not really what they want or what they need. I've been forced to look at my own life and say, okay, what, what is the gospel? What is the core that I'm, I'm wanting to plant here to be reproduced? Um, and then the next challenge is, is being able to communicate it in a way that they, they understand. I, I had no idea 
just the challenge of language and people think so differently than, than I do. It's like, oh, God, help me to communicate in stories and ways that people can understand. What do you find as far as the openness? Uh, because I think, you know, a lot of Americans, we think about talking to a Muslim about Jesus, and we think, well, they're going to be really mad. They're going to hate me if I bring mm-hmm. up Jesus. What is the response of Muslims? Are they, do, they, do you have those conversations? And then if you do have them, how do they respond? Mm. Well, the wonderful thing about my friends in North Africa is that they're very religious and they like to talk about spiritual things. So you get into a taxi and can very easily have spiritual conversations with people. Wow. Yeah, they'll, they'll just come out and say it. First thing, are you a Muslim? And then the response after that is, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you a Muslim? <laughs> so it, it's a great way to share with them. For me, it, sometimes people will be like, Islam is good, right? It's good. And I was like, oh, how do I respond to this where I'm standing for the truth but building bridges at the same time? And I'm, I'm so grateful. I felt like God's given me a response to say, you know what? The thing that's important for you and for me is that we have lives that honor God. And for me, the only way I've found to have a life that can honor God is with Jesus. That's a good answer. But what do you say when they say, why aren't you a Muslim? Is that that's your answer to that question? I, I answer in different ways. Sometimes what I'll say is, you know what? Many of my Muslim friends tell me that they, they've never heard from God speaking to them, and they don't know if, they're, if God's happy with them, if they're going to end up in heaven. Whereas for me, because of what Jesus did, I have that closeness of relationship with God, and I know that his heart is for me, and he's walking with me. Why, why would I step away from all of those things to follow a bunch of rules and feel good about myself? It's interesting to me that, that as you say, they are very religious. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for them? That would look like making sure that you look good to the people around you following the expectations both of of Islam and also of the society the there. The culture. Mm-hmm. So, so that would look like praying five times a day, fasting, giving to the poor, those kinds of things. So what happens in that North African context if one of those people who has been doing that, they've been looking like a good Muslim, they've been praying to have five times a day, now they become a follower of Jesus Christ— what happens? That that can really depend on which ethnic group they're they're from. Some have experienced more rejection and kind of brainwashing to try to bring them back. Others, their family have just kind of like, okay, you're not a part of us anymore. Is that usually the first the first line of persecution is the family? Is that usually true, or is it usually government authorities or the police, or or is, does it just vary from every case? Mostly, it's it's family. It's a shame thing. Yeah, there's just this idea of—it's unthinkable that one of us could could be something other than Muslim. And so, really, pressure from friendship, but then also the way it works there, very few people have jobs, and so often one person will be supporting all of their family. Like, he's got the job, then then you lose that support, Mm -hmm. and then you're kind of on your own financially and those kinds of ways. So that's a— a form of persecution that's not necessarily someone's beating on you, but it's like, I don't have a way to live now. Mm-hmm. I don't have a way to buy my groceries. Exactly. Yeah. So I would think that would bring a lot of pressure to bear. Definitely. How do the Christians respond to that sort of ostracism and family persecution? Do you see some that 
that choose, well, I, you know, I can't let go of my family. I'm, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. Those who stay faithful to Christ, how do they respond to that? Well, there are, there are some people who they, they are just secretly believing and not letting their family know. There's others who are very open and let their family know, hey, we've, we've really made this decision. And so they're just constantly faced with their family coming to them, trying to convince them to reconvert. How do the believers stay strong in that mm. situation where their whole family has turned against them, their culture has turned against them? How do they keep going? For for many of them, they've they've had a, a revelation, whether through a dream or vision, where they can't really deny that. It's like, uh, like I, I know a man who, when he was young, he had this gnawing question of, how can I know that I'll make it to paradise, that God will forgive me? And then he was out of country and, and ha- doing business somewhere, and he had a dream, and Jesus said to him, I am the answer to that question. I am the way. And so there's just this strong conviction, this is the way. No matter what happens to me, I can't, I can't deny right. that God has really answered this cry of my heart. Which is an amazing thing that we see a lot in the Muslim world is Muslims having that sort of supernatural encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is very common in, in the place where you're working? It's it's not as common as we would like it to be. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it that way. We wish everyone would yeah. have that experience. Mm-hmm. But when someone comes to faith, is that a typical part of their testimony that at some point they have had something, be it a dream, a vision, something has happened where God has shown himself personally to them? Definitely, yes. How do their families respond to that? Because I would, you know, if I'm a mom or a dad and my kid says, well, I just had this amazing dream, or, you know, we've heard stories, they have the same dream, you know, four or five nights in a row. Mm -hmm. The last five nights I've had this dream and Jesus has come and he's spoken to me, I'm going to follow him. It seems like as a parent, I would be impressed by that, or at least be understanding towards that. Yeah, there's there's such a strong sense of we are of this nation, and that means we are Muslims. And so, yeah, it's just so embedded that it's impossible. It's almost that there treason. Could be. To, mm-hmm. to be a Christian is treason against yes. your country and your mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with uh, a brother that we're just calling Aaron. He is working in North Africa Aaron, I want to talk about preparation to serve, because you went to a country that is almost all Muslim. You also went to a country where Christians have laid down their lives, and you knew that. You went in with your eyes open. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of process through that of thinking, okay, I'm going to go there. You know, if things go wrong, Mm -hmm. I might end up, you know, on the street with bullets in me. And yet I'm willing to go. Kind of help us walk through how you went through that process mentally and spiritually to mm. get to that point of getting on the plane and saying, okay, Lord, if you call me there, I'm going, and, and whatever happens, I trust you. Well, I, I think it goes back to what I already mentioned about when I was a child and just understanding that Jesus gave his life for me. What could be more important to me? I, I think from a very young age, I, I just made made it a habit in my, my life. Whenever God invited me into something, just to open the doors of my heart 
just say, God, you've got all of me, no matter what, and I trust you. And so, to be honest, I don't think I ever came to a place where I really wrestled with this reality, but just having that history with God, it was like, whatever happens, it's worth it. There's, there's that timeline of history of knowing God to be faithful, his faithful love. It sounds like in your particular situation, there wasn't necessarily a turning point per se where you felt like, okay, God might be asking me to lay down my life. Okay, I'm okay with that. It was more just a continuation of your walk in faith and whatever God had. Mm-hmm. You said yes, you know, a hundred times before, so of course you're going to say yes in this situation. You know, actually, I'm, I'm super grateful for Voice of the Martyrs and the church that I grew up in. It was very persecution church aware and demonstrating and giving an example for me of there's nothing in this life that could be more important than walking and agreeing with Jesus. I remember as a kid being really frustrated because I felt like I was to fast for some different reasons, but then at the same time I was hearing stories of people who were gladly going to prison for their faith and different things. I was like, you know, they say they're Christians. I say I'm a Christian. What's the difference? You know, <laughs> I'm just struggling to give up some food. And so I think it's experiences like that where it's we're just like, OK, I think of Jesus. He said to his disciples, I have a food that I'm eating that you don't know of. And I, th- I think that's kind of the secret of not focusing on the possible sacrifice, but I'm, I'm feeding on Jesus. And so it, if it's here on earth or if it's in heaven, it's going to be the, the same same rich fellowship with him. What does that look like on a, on a practical level? How, I mean, how do you think about each day or, or, you know, process what you're reading in Scripture, how you're making decisions? Just kind of talk through your thought process. Well, maybe I'm just a really simple person, and I don't think about it very much, but it's just like, I know God's God's called me here, and so I'm going to live with all my heart and really trust Him. Generally, the people where I'm living are very peaceful and welcoming, so maybe that helps to calm things down. But um, yeah, just, just a real sense of, I, I don't have anything to give, but if I'm connected to the vine, then the life of God can flow through me, and, and asking God, no matter... You know, if I'm people with people who are very aggressive and in my face, or if I'm with people who are genuinely interested, that his his life would flow through me. I, I have definitely been in situations where people are r- really trying to twist my arm to <laughs> change my mind. And what's their argument? the The first argument is often people will pull out a, a cigarette lighter and say, "Stick your finger in the fire." The, the fires of hell are bitter. They're not where you want to go. And so a real call of fear, like you don't want to be punished by God. And so um, really trying to communicate with them that I'm so grateful I don't have to operate from fear, but from great joy that God's made a way for me to, to bring joy to his heart and to agree with his, his dreams for the world. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about talking to Muslims about faith. We've talked about how they talk to you and try to convert you. Some of our listeners right here in America, they have a Muslim that lives next door to them or works with them or goes to school with them. And I think for a lot of Americans, we feel very intimidated about talking to a Muslim about our faith. For one thing, we think it's going to offend them. They're going to be mad at us. Talk us through or give us some advice for how to work towards the point where we have an opportunity to share Christ with our Muslim friends and coworkers. Mm-hmm. 
I would say probably the majority of Muslims have never had a, a real friendship with a genuine Christian. So the the image that they have of Christian is Hollywood and all these kinds of things that are definitely not the heartbeat of, of Jesus. And so being able to, to just come close so that they can smell Jesus in us and see Jesus is, is really an incredible thing where it gives them opportunity to say, wait a second, everything they've said in the mosque about how horrible Christians are is not necessarily true. And it can just awaken hearts to say, uh, maybe they have something that's more than just rules. For me, it's it's been intimidating as well, but I see it as such a gift interacting with Muslims because it, it makes me look at myself in the mirror and say, do I have something different or am I just living by rules, uh, by a different set of rules? And it, it's been so good for me to say, Jesus, I want to know you. I don't, I don't want to just have this good idea of living for Jesus and be promoting a religion, but it's been purifying for me. And so I, I think in that way, it's, it's really good for, for us to step out of the box and say, okay, now I'm going to explain the gospel to someone who, who lives in a very different world. And so as I interact with him, he's going to be asking me questions that are good for me because I can say it to, to my Christian friends and they, they're like, oh yeah, that's right. We've heard that before. I'm so challenged by, by what you said that we're, it's not, we're just not trading out their set of rules for our set of rules. We want to introduce them to the living person of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's not a rule book. <laughs> That's a person. Mm-hmm. What are some of the fruit of that in your life as you have gone through that process of saying, Jesus, I, I want you because I want to be able to give you away. Mm-hmm. How has God responded and shaped you through asking that question and kind of wrestling with that? To be honest, I, f- I feel that in my love for God, I've said, okay, God, I want these lost people to know you. And so this is my motivation. And I, I've really felt like God has challenged me as a person to say, Aaron, actually what I really want from you is, is to have a relationship with you. And I can take care of revealing myself to other people. And that, that's his first priority. And then after that, he said, actually, the reality is it's not until you, you are focused on relationship with me that my life can flow through you. And the desires of your heart that people would know me can happen when you're not focused on how to win the argument, but really knowing me for who I am. I remember a story of a, a guy who was in Mongolia, and uh, there was a man who was working on the black market, and uh, he became a Christian. And one of his first questions to this Christian guy was, so can I keep working on the black market? <laughs> and the guy was so ready to say, no, 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 you can't do this. That's what Christians do. But God stopped him and said, no, what I really want from this man is that he would come to know me and know my heart, and then he's going to live from my heart. And so I, I really feel like... Even among the the other missionaries there in the country, that's what God's doing. He's He's drawing us to to Himself, um, even though we have strategies and these good things. And so, and so I feel like that's been one of the big blessings of of having Muslims as friends and engaging with them is that purifying process. And I think, and as you've talked about, they see something different in you. Mm-hmm. So as you live that out, as you are attached to the vine and living that Jesus life, mm-hmm. they see that, and they understand, I think at a deep level, that it's different from the way they live. I have a, a friend of mine who, he told me, I am so convinced that Islam is the right religion. But I'll tell you something, 
Muslims don't do what's right, but Christians do what's right. Wow. Wow. So that, that really communicates how his involvement with Christians in his country has, has made a deep impact. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Aaron. Aaron is a worker in North Africa. We've talked a little bit about witnessing to Muslims here at home. Uh, the other thing that we always want to do is equip our listeners to pray. Mm. Let's talk about North Africa, and I know we don't want to mention specifically the country where you're at, but as we think about, you know, across the top of Africa, the Muslim people there— the Christians who are there facing challenges, as we've talked about, let's say, how can we pray for believers? Mm -hmm. And then how can we pray for sort of the broader work of expanding God's kingdom there? I would say that, um, I think I mentioned a story earlier about a man who got a revelation of Jesus as the way to heaven. Often I feel like that's kind of where the revelation has stopped for many people. They they know for sure this is the way, but there's not a, a revelation of of who God is as a father um, and God's dream for their country. Mm -hmm. And so that would really, I feel like, is is an area that would be incredible to be praying for, the continuation of the Holy Spirit really being the one that's teaching um, and, and leading these, these new believers. And fear is a big thing where there's just a real sense of, I've got what I know is, is really good, but not a, an understanding that I can really trust God to, to just be a living water flowing out of me, and he'll protect me. Yeah. All right, so we've talked about praying for the believers. Now let's talk about sort of the gospel work and the, the broader region. How can we pray? I, I think for many believers, there's because they've, they've come to the Lord through supernatural things, sometimes they feel like, well, what can I do to help others? Because I can't make that happen right. for them. And, and also, some of them have been discipled by, by groups that are kind of pastor-centered. So there's a sense of, okay, the pastor can, can do that work, and I'm just a follower. So uh, them being equipped with just some simple ways that they can share the life that they have in unconfronting ways. We have an army of prayer warriors that listen mm. to this show, and we will pray for that. So... Uh, I want to encourage you. people this week, pray for Aaron, pray for his work in North Africa, pray for the believers who are there, pray for the Muslims who are there, mm. uh, to have those supernatural encounters, those dreams and visions and uh, amazing things that God is doing. We hear the testimonies, we know that God is answering those prayers, but let's keep on asking for him to work in that part of the world. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Aaron. Uh, that is not his real name, and we are not going to tell you exactly where he lives other than North Africa. Aaron, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for your heart to see God work in North mm. Africa. I am so grateful for all of the people here in America. They're agreeing with God. With God, you're writing a redemption story in every part of the world, and it's such a spiritual battle. I'm so grateful for those of you who are faithful, faithfully fighting that battle on our behalf. And I want to encourage you, Aaron mentioned as a young man, hearing stories from Voice of the Martyrs, stories from others about persecuted Christians. If you have children, share those stories. Yes. Uh, give, yes. give them godly gospel heroes uh, to look up to and to pattern their lives after. One way you can do that is through the Torchlighters video series that the Voice of the Martyrs has helped to produce. 
Uh, if you come to vomradio.net, you can link over to our bookstore and look for the Torchlighters videos. They are outstanding ways to share stories like Jim Elliott, stories like Perpetua, many other stories of those who have given everything to follow Christ. Aaron, again, a pleasure to have you with us this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for being here. Thank you. As always, you can connect with us online at vomradio.net. You can hear every past episode of the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, guests from China, guests from Iran, guests from other parts of the world, hear what God is doing in their lives and in their countries. Also, while you're there, take a moment and subscribe to the VOM Radio podcast so you'll never miss an episode of VOM Radio. That website again, vomradio.net. You're going to want to be back with us next week here on VOM Radio. We're going to get to know a pastor from Lebanon and hear what it's like to build God's kingdom in that country and how God is working in a nation that's being flooded with refugees from Syria, from Iraq. So join us a week from now right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.